Well, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, and congratulations to our graduates. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn in your Bibles. I think this morning's message will be very applicable to those that have just finished a diploma or a degree or a specialized program as we look into the Word of God. But I think even more than that, it's going to apply to each one of us as we walk through different seasons in our life. Uh, This morning, I'd like to preach a message simply called Growing in Grace. Uh, Growing in Grace. If we wanted to expand the title just a little bit, it would be Growing in Grace While You Wait. Have you ever noticed that there are seasons in your life where it just seems like we're waiting? Uh, Our graduates, uh, for many of them, it's been a season like that in their life. They're waiting until God does something else in their life. Waiting until they get the next job. Waiting until they finish this degree so that they can be launched into ministry. Waiting uh, for the next opportunity. Uh, For us as individuals, so often it seems like uh, we hurry up and then we have to wait. Uh, Wait on the Lord. You're in Luke chapter 2 this morning. I think as we look into the life of Jesus Christ, uh, we see that even Jesus had to wait. And what did he do while he waited? Let's begin by reading Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. The Bible says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and there's our word, the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the year of the Passover, or at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they, had, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him uh, to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou uh, thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that it must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This morning, growing in grace while we wait. We started our series in grace several weeks ago with Pastor Tool preaching a couple of messages on grace and continue to pray for Pastor and Charlene as they are away for a number of weeks yet on their sabbatical that God would use this in an amazing way in their life. Last week Pastor Skelly preached a message on the grace of rest. Uh, The grace of rest. If you were not able to hear that message I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It's on our website. It'll be a tremendous encouragement uh, to each one of you, the grace of rest. But this morning, growing in grace while we wait. Let's open in a word of prayer and ask God to bless our time together. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunity that we have on a Sunday morning to set aside the cares of the world and to focus on you 
Lord, I pray that we've already focused our attention through worship on Your Son, Jesus. Lord, as we look at the early life of Christ, I pray that You would teach us this morning, that You would help us to learn from His life and the things that He made a part of His life while He was waiting to, be a, to be, start that earthly ministry that He began. Lord, I pray that You would use us this morning, that You would allow us to, to focus on Your Word. We give You the praise for all that You're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been in a situation where it feels like you're excited to be a part of the next thing? For me and my family, I remember when I was a young boy, each year we would go on a family vacation. And as a young boy growing up, I was excited about that family vacation. We did a number of different things on family vacations. Sometimes it was visiting a new city. Sometimes it was going to a place where there was going to be an amusement park. Sometimes it was just simply traveling to visit relatives. But vacation was something out of the ordinary, something that we were excited about. And as that excitement began to be palpable in our home, I had two brothers, an older and a younger, and we would be busy around the house uh, throwing as many things into a suitcase as we felt like we needed, uh, getting all the things that we thought we would need, whether we're going uh, to the water, we need uh, some boogie boards, whether we're uh, going to another place, we may need some other things. Uh, we're grabbing all of those things to prepare for that vacation, and we're excited about going. And we throw all of those things in the car or the minivan or back then a station wagon. And we're ready to go on vacation. We jump into that car and begin down the road on vacation. And that first 30 minutes, it's palpable in the car. There's such a buzz that's happening in the car. We're all excited. Hooray, we're going on vacation. And then after about 30 minutes, the reality of that eight-hour drive begins to set in. And all of a sudden, what was excitement about going on vacation with my, with my lovely brothers becomes this animosity because my brother just put his toe over my line on the back seat. Uh, you've been there before. Uh, and now all of a sudden, the reality uh, of that situation begins to set in uh, that we had to hurry up and now wait. Hurry up and now wait. You know, life is like that oftentimes. Uh, that it seems like we're in such a hurry for God to do something amazing in our life. Our graduates, I want to hurry up and graduate so I can do the next thing. And, and for many, that leads to another time of waiting. Uh, hurry up and get that degree so I can begin that job. Uh, hurry up and do all of these things so that God can continue to work in my life. Uh, but so often, we find ourselves in a pattern of time where we simply have to wait on the Lord. Uh, we're waiting on the Lord for uh, God to work in our physical body, uh, healing us from that disease. We're waiting uh, in our life uh, for God to provide that child uh, that we've been praying for for so many years. We wait uh, on God to provide that spouse that I've been praying for for so many years. Uh, we wait on the Lord. We want God to do something amazing, but we simply have to wait. I can only imagine Jesus growing up uh, for 30 years we don't know much about his life uh, we know his much about his life uh, once he hits age 30 the gospels are filled uh, with uh, all of those events from for three and a half years there's so many different events that we hear about him healing disease and, and touching the infirmities of those that need that touch from him uh, but for 30 years he had to wait 
He had to wait to begin that earthly ministry. Uh, we know those last three and a half years were full of opportunity, uh, full of him working. In fact, John tells us at the end of uh, the book of John, that if they had written down everything that they had seen, heard, and that Jesus did, all of the books in all of the world would not even be able to contain them. Uh, Jesus' life was so full. Uh, but for those first 30 years, we don't know much about it. Yes, we know about his birth in Matthew and in Luke, and we highlight that once a year around Christmas time. Uh, but much of what we know about the next 30 years until he be, starts that earthly ministry is found in our text here in Luke uh, chapter 2. Uh, very little do we know, one uh, specific incident uh, that we know about. Uh, but I imagine Jesus was excited about starting his earthly ministry, but for 30 years he was in this pattern of waiting on his heavenly Father, waiting on the Lord. Uh, this morning, how do we grow in grace while we wait? Let's look at the life of Christ and learn some lessons about growing in grace while we wait. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, write it down. Uh, life should lead to growth. Life should lead uh, to growth. You see up here this morning that I've got uh, two different plants. Maybe this one blends into the other, to the much larger plant, but I've got a, a small plant and a much larger plant. Uh, would you believe me that earlier in the year, both of these plants were given to different staff members as uh, very small seedlings. They were just very small plants. And our staff that gathers together for a staff orientation every August knows exactly where these two plants came from. Uh, Mrs. Nicole Anderson uh, shared a devotion with our, uh, with our 140 staff members uh, about being rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a part of that example, she gave to each one of us as staff members just a very small plant, even smaller than this one. And the challenge was throughout the year, hey, take this plant and see how you can make it grow over the course of the next year. You can see that some did really poorly and some did really well. Uh, these two plants started at the same size. Now, I'm here to confess to you that my plant is not up here because my plant didn't make it. Uh, my plant did not make it probably an entire week. Uh, the reason my plant did not make it is because I did not do the things that needed to be done for my plant to grow. Uh, but others took their plant and they began to water it. They began to put it in sunlight. They began to give it nutrients. They began uh, to make that, uh, to replant it in a larger pot uh, to allow that plant to continue growing and growing and growing. And they saw that growth happen over a period of time. Uh, but can I tell you this morning, Christian, life should lead to growth. Life should lead to growth. Just as a side note, there may be some that are in here that have never started that spiritual Christian life. You say, I, I hear you, Pastor Steve, but I, I don't know how I'm going to have growth if I never start a relationship with Jesus. Looking back, back in our passage in verse 25, we see a man named Simeon. This is when Jesus is still just a young boy before this incident at 12 years old. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parent, when parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You see, what the Holy Ghost had already told Simeon is that in that boy Jesus, Jesus is God. And because Jesus is God, Jesus was sent to this earth to die a sinner's death for you and for me. And what Simeon knew already is that in Jesus Christ is salvation. And without Jesus, there is no salvation. And because of Jesus, you and I can have salvation, spiritual life this morning. If you've never started that relationship with Jesus, there's no bigger importance than to start that this morning. Can I encourage you? We would love to spend time with you after the service. We'll have a prayer team that's down here. We would love to spend time with you, sharing with you how you can know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus. How you can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. Because life has to start before there can be growth. But then Christians, life should lead to growth. Life should lead to growth. As we take this small plant and do the things that are necessary for that growth to happen, we all have opportunity. But if we don't maximize those opportunities, we will not see the growth that God wants in our life. We see how that growth happened in the life of Jesus. We see that in a couple of different verses. Look in verse 40 before this incident. From about age 0 to 12, it says, And the child grew. And wax strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and here it is, the grace of God. The grace of God was upon him. Now after this incident, from 12 to 30, we see something very similar in verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We're in a series in grace right now. I think it's important to highlight a couple of words in our passage. Uh, we see back in verse 40 uh, that he, he, the grace of God was upon Jesus. Uh, we see in verse 52 the, he, he grew in favor with God and man. It's interesting that word favor. Uh, the word favor here, growing in favor with God and man, is translated every other place in the New Testament as that word grace. Uh, so we could literally say he grew in grace uh, with God and man. Uh, the grace of God was upon him, and he grew in grace, favor with God and man. Uh, while he was waiting, he grew in grace. He grew in grace a couple of different ways. He grew in grace, number one, mentally. He increased in wisdom. Uh, that's really learning about God's Word. Uh, we come in this morning on a Sunday morning to learn more about God's Word. We spend time tomorrow morning in His Word to learn more about Him, His ways, His statutes, what He wants in our life. We know in Proverbs, it teaches us over and over again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. As Jesus grew mentally, he had a reverent respect for God the Father. 
We as Christians ought to have that same reverent respect. It's not cowering in fear. It's having a reverent respect for our Heavenly Father. So often we get this wrong. We fear a lot of things in our society. We have a fear of trials, whether they be financial trials or health trials, many different trials that we go through in life. We don't want to go through them. We fear them. We have a fear of being able to provide for our families. We have a fear of death. We have a fear of man, whether it be witnessing, sharing the gospel with somebody. I don't know what they're going to think. Or or maybe it's a fear of taking a stand for what is right. I I don't want to take a stand because our society is teaching something totally different. We fear all of these different things. But Jesus says in Matthew 10, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He goes on to say in verse 29 of that passage, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. Those two sparrows aren't worth very much, uh, only a farthing together. But not one of them will fall to the ground without your heavenly father uh, knowing it. Uh, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. For ye uh, fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. Uh, isn't it amazing that God not only wants to provide salvation for you and for me, but he wants a relationship with us? Can you imagine that? The God of the universe, the God of creation, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob wants a personal relationship with me. And so often I blow past that on Monday morning. Uh, that relationship that he wants with me. Uh, So often I forget about spending time in prayer with him uh, because I'm so busy. I've got so many things going on. God, you don't realize how full my schedule is. Uh, But God of the universe wants to spend time communing with me. Uh, We just spent time in what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Communing with him, connecting with him. Uh, But God wants that kind of a personal relationship with you on a daily basis. We should stand in awe of that god almighty wants a relationship with us as we are waiting on god to do the next thing hey can i encourage you grow in grace mentally growing in grace mentally but he also grew physically increasing in stature and yes this is about the human body growing but it's more than that it's about positioning his body in a relationship with god in fact first corinthians tells us what know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost which is in you which ye have of god and ye are not your own for ye are bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. It's the reason that almost half of our service every single week is spent in worshiping Him because we're to bring glory to His name. We're to glorify Him in our bodies, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. Do all to the glory of God. We're to grow mentally. Uh, grow physically Uh, thirdly we're to grow spiritually increasing in favor or grace with god this is going from a head knowledge learning about god to a heart's application being a doer of god's word 
you know, the story of the steward back in Matthew, as that good and faithful servant enters into the presence of his, of his boss, of his master. He is told those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. As Christians this morning, we are to conduct our lives in such a way that we're a witness to others, that we're laying up eternal rewards so that when we enter into the gates of heaven, God, through His Son Jesus, says to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're so concerned oftentimes about the the next five years, the next ten years, the next twenty years of our life that we forget about the eternal mindset that God wants us to have. We need to be more concerned about the next thousand years than the next five years. We need to be spend time laying up treasures in heaven rather than uh, where moth and rust doth corrupt here on earth. Parents, uh, we, we're so concerned about making it through 18 years so that our kids can go out and get a job instead of focusing on the opportunities to launch children into a lost and dying world. We're so worried about that job being mundane and a necessary part of our being that we forget about the opportunity to do our work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Doing our work for God. God is our boss, not the authority that He puts in our place, but God ultimately is the one that we're working for. We're showing Christ the joy of the Lord through how we conduct our daily lives. We're so often worried about uh, approaching finances in a way to get ahead and making sure I have enough margin and and making sure I have enough uh, for retirement that we forget about the opportunity to expand the kingdom, not just for the next 20 years, but for all of eternity. Uh, We're so uh, focused uh, on on ourselves that we forget about God. We're so focused on our own needs that we forget the needs of others. We're so focused on the negative things that are in our life that we forget about a positive outlook because of God providing salvation, providing a relationship with us. We're so focused on using our time the way we want our time instead of uh, prioritizing the the need uh, to redeem the time because the days are evil. You know, Jesus thought it was important to grow mentally, to grow physically, to grow spiritually, but He also grew, number four, socially. He increased with fa- in favor, grace, with man. In Psalm, it's an interesting passage. In Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he, that that person, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." We Christians are supposed to be like that tree that is planted by the rivers of water. We're planted, we're plugged into that river of life, Jesus Christ. And because of Him, that outflowing of grace is supposed to be everywhere that we go. We're supposed to love God, that river of life, and to love others. We are to be that tree that provides shade, that provides coolness, that others, when they're having a rough day, want to rush to because they're encouraged by the Word of God. 
because they're encouraged in their, in their relationship with Christ, because they're encouraged because they know there's something different about you in your workplace. They want to be encouraged. They rush to you. They may not know why you, what you have that they don't have, uh, but it's like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that gives give shade out, uh, that, that somebody wants to be under, uh, that, has, uh, that, that is sturdy, uh, that doesn't waver uh, because of different situations that are going on in life. Uh, yes, the leaves may blow, but they're planted. Uh, they know they are rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the type of Christian the Lord wants us to be. And Jesus, he increased socially. Those around him wanted to be around him. They wanted a touch from Jesus everywhere he went. We see in the book of Acts that the, uh, the apostles, as uh, the young church was beginning, and there was much unknown at the time, but God was blessing and blessing and blessing. And can I propose to you this morning, God has blessed Rosedale Baptist Church. And if we want to continue to see God continue to bless Rosedale Baptist Church, hey, we need to do it God's way. Uh, we need to plug into the source, uh, God Almighty. But we also need to be a light in this community. Uh, we see the early church was doing just that. As God was multiplying the church they were doing the things like praising God and having favor uh, with all the people and what did the Lord do he added to the church daily as such as should be saved uh, we as a church uh, here in this community are rooted and grounded in Christ but as individuals, as we go out into our community, we are to share the love of Christ. We are to share the joy of what God has already done in our heart uh, so that they see, hey, I want what you have. I want to be a part of what's going on there at Rosedale. I want to be able to uh, have that, that same type of a, a connection with my community. I want to be able to, uh, to be that tree that is planted by the rivers of water. Uh, we, life should lead to growth. Number two, if you're taking notes this morning, the growth process is unseen. Look in verse 48, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? You know, it doesn't matter if I take this plant and I stare at it for hours. I will not see it grow. I have tried that with my two boys. They continue to grow, especially my 13-year-old now, who is now two inches taller than me. And I look back at the beginning of the summer when he was shorter than me, or the beginning several months ago when he was shorter than me, and I can't understand how all of a sudden he's taller than me. I've stared at him for, for what seeming, seems like hours, and I've not seen him grow one time. But yet, he continues to grow. The growth process is unseen. Sometimes the growth happens while we're waiting. We are to grow in grace while we are waiting. How do we grow in grace? Well, we prioritize God's will. That's what Jesus did. Uh, being uh, thankful, that God tells us to be thankful in everything, give thanks. Uh, prioritizing His Word, prioritizing prayer, prioritizing uh, church attendance, prioritizing worship. Uh, the Bible also tells us that Jesus, uh, during this time, He was subject to authority. Look in verse 51, 51. And He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. He recognized the authority that was put in his life and he subjected himself to that authority. He didn't need to do that. He was God. 
But he recognized that God the Father has put this authority in his life and he decided, I'm going to subject myself to that authority that is in, in my life. While we're waiting, he don't buck authority. Uh, allow that authority to be the authority in your uh, life. Be subject uh, to authority. Uh, Jesus maximized opportunities. Uh, he maximized opportunities. He, he says, I must be about my father's business. I'm going to maximize the opportunity as I'm there for the feast of the Passover. I'm going to be in the temple. I'm going to be learning more about the word. I'm going to be applying it. I'm going to be asking questions. Uh, he, it says in, it, it, he was sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions and verse 47 all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers he is god yet he was listening and asking uh, questions uh, this morning life should lead to growth uh, the growth process is unseen but lastly this morning the results of growth will be evident the results of growth will be evident as i look at the the growth that has happened with this much larger uh, plant. Uh, we can all see that it has grown. If it started uh, this small and it was actually smaller, it has obviously had growth over the course of the last several months as the right nutrients were put in, as it was being watered on a daily basis, as it was being fed the right things, as sunlight came in and began to shine upon it, it began to grow. And then it was repotted a couple of different times to allow those roots to grow deeper and to allow those roots to grow, continue to grow down into that soil. New soil was put in. It continued to grow. We can all see the results of growth, but those results only came over a period of time. You know, as we're waiting on the Lord to do the next thing, whatever that thing is in our life, can I encourage you to be faithful to God? Can I encourage you to be about your father's business? Can I encourage you to be subject to authority? Can I encourage you to maximize the uh, opportunities? Can I encourage you to have an eternal mindset? That's what Jesus did, and the results of those gro that growth became very evident in his life. Verse 44 tells us, But they, supposing him uh, to have been in the company, when a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. This morning, I want to ask you one simple question in closing. On the path of life, are you traveling with God? Are you traveling with God? The feast of the Passover was a very festive time. And as they came to Jerusalem, the Bible says that they would go up to Jerusalem. Uh, that's because the, uh, Jerusalem was above the neighboring towns. And, and so they would get a large caravan to go up to Jerusalem for this feast. It was a festive time. Uh, this caravan would be comprised of oftentimes animals, some sacrificial animals, some to carry the load of, the, uh, of what was happening there, all of the people and all of the things that needed to be taken. And their friends and family and all of these people would go up together to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover, the thing that God had done in their lives many, many generations before. And as they went up to the feast of the Passover, that festive time came to an end, and now it's time to go a different direction. And Mary and Joseph in this entire caravan began to, to travel back to Nazareth. And they began to go down from Jerusalem. And as they're traveling 
from Jerusalem. Uh, they're, they're traveling in this caravan, and they go uh, almost an entire day's journey uh, before Mary and Joseph begin to look around. And you understand that Jesus was not a young boy at this time. He wasn't a three-year-old that got lost uh, in a shopping market. He was 12 years old. He was responsible. He, they knew that he was probably a part of the caravan. They didn't worry about him. They never had any problems with Jesus in the past. Why would they have worried about him? But what they didn't recognize is they had traveled an entire day without Jesus. They had traveled an entire day without God himself, his presence being with them. And all of a sudden, they start looking around and realizing, where's Jesus? Can you imagine the frantic pace that it began to pick up as, where is Jesus? Mary and Joseph are beginning to ask other family members, other friends that are in the caravan, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? I imagine they get more and more frantic. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? And they begin to realize we need to retrace our steps. And as they're retracing their steps, as they see other people, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? We don't know where Jesus is. Have you seen Jesus? And they went back that entire day's journey back to Jerusalem, back up to Jerusalem where they had been, frantically looking for Jesus. And after another day, the Bible says it was the third day in which they found Jesus, that he was there in the temple. After those three days of frantically looking for him in the company, frantically looking for him on the path, frantically looking for him in Jerusalem, they finally found Jesus right where they left him. Jesus was there all along. Jesus was right there where they left him. So often we get in a time of waiting and we start relying on our own strength. We start relying on our own capacity. We start relying on our finances. We start relying on other things rather than God Himself. And we start to go down this path that we don't even recognize that Jesus is no longer with us. And then we start to retrace our steps. I wonder why God is so distant from me. I wonder why God isn't working in this situation. I wonder why God isn't working in my life right now. God, why are you doing this to me? You can almost sense in the life of Mary and Joseph as they approach him. It's almost this accusation, why have you dealt with us this way? And we oftentimes get into that, that same mindset. God, why are you dealing with me this way? God, why aren't you in my life the way you once were? Why are you so distant? And when we retrace our steps, we find that God was right where we left him. God was there all along. God is still there for you. He is there in the waiting. He is there in the trials. He is there for you. Are you traveling with Jesus? 